This week, Scientology fights the right to repair, Lenovo is gaming on the go, the FCC upholds broadband labels, and Spectrum customers are mad at Disney. It is Monday, September 4th, 2023, and this is episode 653 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through our live streaming services, livestream.com, Twitch, our new friends over at Kick, or on YouTube, where you can join the community and get ad-free episodes of F5 Live and Pilchpoint, or on our website, plugitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is normally Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Uh, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay as well. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, uh, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. All right, it's been a couple of weeks for us. Um, for those who don't know, uh, I'm located in the Tampa area in Florida. We had a hurricane scare last week, uh, and I had some personal stuff before that. But uh, we are back uh, in the swing of things, and it's good to be back. I always, I always hate it when we're gone, but I always love it when we're back. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a couple weeks. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm glad you're okay. Uh, everything is is okay here. In in the end, we ended up barely getting any rain and wind and rain, let alone you know tr- tropical storm or hurricane. So we were all set. <laughs> but I know the people in North Florida got uh got whomped. For the first time in, I think, over a hundred years is what I heard, which is wild. So hopefully they'll be able to pull it back together. I know they've been killing it up there, getting power restored. Um, Before the storm had fully passed, uh, more than like 150 of the 250,000 people without power were reconnected before the storm had even finished passing. And that's never heard of anything like that, so... Glad, glad to hear that. Been eventful over on our side. How have things been over on yours, Avram? All right. You know, last week or so of, of uh, summer before the kids go back to school, um, trying to get some things organized in the house. It's weird because, you know, like I'm an adult, so like I don't go back to school. I've been working all summer. And I, but it sort of feels weird, like my vacation came to an end. Um, so so sad um, for some for some reason. I mean, I guess though I I will say like you know things are a little more more chill in the office like the last two or three weeks of August because you know there's just not as much. Uh, I don't know. Lots of people are off, um, but you know obviously 
this week it's going to be back to intensity sure uh and uh i don't know now i feel like now that i've actually had this weekend i barely even work this weekend i kind of feel feel weird normally i'm working a lot on the weekend you know mainly uh doing doing other stuff so now i feel like hmm, i feel like i could use an actual vacation of a few days but what can you say so um yeah um getting back into doing some 3d printing uh so uh we'll uh, we'll see lots of uh lots of stuff you know we talk about it frequently on the show 3d printing i have one i can see it from where i'm sitting i still haven't done it i gotta i gotta go find the uh the how to get started. <laughs> I mean, it really depends on, I mean, we could talk about that today if we want to, but it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish, you know? Um, yeah. If you're trying, you know, to do models, it's, you know, little models is one thing. If you're trying to do some, some little spare parts, it's another thing. Um, it's, it's somewhat easier to work with ones that are, open and closed but closed is better if you have pets or kids sure uh so uh you know it's um it's it's one of those it's one of those things that's a lot more fun than artificial intelligence (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah so you've been on you've been on a roll with that lately i've been i've been enjoying following (laughs) Your There's going to be, so the story that I'm working on, I'll just give everybody the hint. And this is something I've been working on for a while, but I really intend to get it done this week because it mm-hmm. keeps coming up again and again is, uh, and, uh, but we're going to take a break from talking about AI in my segment this week. We're going to talk about something else. that's annoying, but, um, but, but, uh, we are going to talk, um, I'm going to be, I've done a lot of interviews and I'm going to be doing a story about, um, whether machines learn like people and oh, okay. the implications of, of that because we hear a lot of people saying things in the media, even people I know in front of Congress, like, oh, yeah, it's okay for machines to, to you know, read all of your work, everything online, because if a person did that, it would be okay. Um, yeah. So, um, so looking at the differences between the way machines learn and the way people learn and sort of like the implications of that uh both sort of morally and legally sure uh and uh yeah like a fun one that sounds like a fun one for sure um i've been working on something a little different (laughs) um all the things that are wrong with uber uh-huh. And how Wait, is there it? something right with it? <laughs> yeah, right. And particular Uber Eats and how you can uh, get around uh, their problems. It's we've been we've been driving as research for the piece. <laughs> driving what, what doing for Uber Eats? Doing Uber Eats? Yeah. Oh, you've been doing work for Uber Eats? Uh huh. 
um, as Ooh. research to see where people are, how people are screwing up. You know, what Uber is, how Uber is like undermining your own understanding of how the thing works. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's been interesting. fun. <laughs> I don't, I've never used Uber Eats. Okay. We use, if I have to order, uh, order a meal, I order it from uh, Grubhub. Sure. So, um, Grubhub doesn't have quite the saturation we have that Uber Eats and um, DoorDash have uh-huh. in our area. Uh, they exist, uh-huh. but not quite to the same extent. Um, and so, you know, we look at questions people are asking. There were some questions about about Uber Eats. We decided to, to dive in. So it'll be fun. Hopefully in the next couple weeks, uh, we'll have all that put together. Um, I, I love doing that kind of stuff. We haven't done stuff like that in a while, and it's nice to kind of get back into the deep investigative stuff uh, that we did when it was more than just the the two of us. You know, yeah. <laughs> when we had a bigger team uh, for the regular, not for uh, not just for special events. Yeah. We used to be able to do stuff like that, and you know, it's but it's okay. We got stuff coming, lots of stuff coming. Anyway. Um, we also have a lot of news tonight to catch up on, so let's get down to it. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv Microsoft. One of the stories we missed uh, last week while we were dealing with hurricane stuff down here um, was about the right to repair laws, and in particular, that a longtime opponent wrote a letter to the state of California in support of their uh, right to repair laws that are coming. Uh, that company was Apple. Big surprise. Um, they have long fought it. They've added extra technology to their computers and their phones. I have been through it. Um, I have a piece also that I've been working on uh, about my experience dealing with Apple's <laughs> anti-repair technology. Um, and then they they just said, no, we're in favor. Everything's good. Now, I think Apple was trying to avoid uh, in the U.S., in particular in California, what has happened to them uh, in the EU, where the EU is actively... Um, seemingly going after them with things like the USB-C requirements coming up on phones and uh, devices like that. But uh, this week, we have somebody sliding in to fill their space as an opponent of right-to-repair laws. And it's... I Honestly, if I had been given a hundred guesses or... um, uh, a million years, as uh, these guys like to calculate time, um, I wouldn't have guessed 
that our newest opponent of right to repair laws is Scientology. Now, it's not Scientology directly. Uh, this is an organization that is known for separation of concerns. Um, they definitely have subsidiaries of subsidiaries of subsidiaries, and that's 100% what we've got going on here. Um, the Somebody from uh, Author Services, Inc., which is a subsidiary of Church of Spiritual Technology, which is a subsidiary of Scientology, like la layers of layers, sent a letter to the U.S. Copyright Office um, looking for a new exemption. I, follow this sentence, I know. A new exemption from the exemptions of the uh, DMCA. Now, the DMCA says a lot of things, but part of it says that you cannot circumvent uh, protective technology uh, to violate trademark or copyright. Uh, or patent, I think. Um, and so that is what Scientology is taking issue with um, because there are exceptions to those rules, uh, particularly for things like um, uh, you know regular consumer electronics and things like that where there may be uh, consequences. For example, you're allowed to take apart and make changes to your Xbox. But if you do that, you're not going to have access to Xbox Live anymore. You're allowed to make the changes, but you can't go online afterwards uh, and play games. Um, so there's a carve-out for that. Now, Scientology wants a carve-out in the carve-out <laughs> that allows for the protection of the tech of technologies that require special training or special licensing to use. Now, why? Well, they didn't say, but we can make some pretty intelligent guesses here. Um, the organization makes one and only one device. Um, they call it generally an e-meter, um, and you hold things and they ask you questions and only they can see your response off the meter. And it's an old-fashioned lie detector. Uh, whoop, that's it. It's an old-fashioned lie detector. There's nothing terribly special about it um, except for the fact that uh, it's special because it's theirs. They have several generations. You can even buy them online. But what they're trying to do, most likely, is protect the fact that it's just a old-fashioned lie detector. Not a modern one, an old-fashioned one. Designed sometime in the 50s or 60s, I think. And it's changed zero since then. Um, they are almost certainly trying to protect that. But, I don't know. They're a litigious organization. I expect to get a letter for this episode. Um, <laughs> and for the article that I wrote. Um... But it, I don't know, it's a little weird to me. I know they're very protective of their stuff, their people, their, you know, aliens and volcanoes and hydrogen bombs and the whole weirdness that goes along um, over top of Scientology. They're very protective of all of that. Um, but it just, I don't know, this seems weird to me, Abram. It seems like 
a weird place for them to get involved. Well, I, I read this story earlier this week, and I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to understand uh, the Church of Scientology, and I'm not going to, you know, give an opinion on, I mean, they are a religion, and so I'm not going to give my opinion on their religion. Uh, you know, that's, but I think the, I think this poses an interesting legal question because I'm not sure of any other devices that might have kind of a religious implication, right? Sure. Very interesting. And even more interesting is that's not what they're asking for. What they're asking for not to have to, to show how it works, right? But they're asking for things that require special training or licensing. Not, right, not well, religiously significant training, just like an EKG. <laughs> right, right. So that, I believe, is their kind of workaround to uh -huh. solving the issue, right? Because they have, Because when you deal with the law, you have to come up with a general a general to to get to the specific right they can't just sure. like I, I think most people if given the you know choice would say oh you know e, e um meter. could we have a carve out for e-meters was it e-meters e yeah e -meter. like can we have a tar carve out for e-meters and and i think most people would say oh who cares Sure, give them what they want because e-meters, how many people have an e-meter and how many people want to repair them? Right. Like, so, so few, so few, right? It, it It's a vanishingly small amount of people that would, would want this. Right. But there's a concern, I think, that, you know, this is something that is said to have certain properties that, you know, that kind of are a, a backbone of, of a religious of a religious belief right. that some people have, and therefore, uh, if you were to, I don't know, take it apart and know how it worked, then you might, you know, then you might question the veracity yeah. of the results, which is questioning the religion. Right. 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 Now, but they don't want to pose it per se as a religious device. And I'm not really sure what a religious, like it's a, I can't name another device that, that would fit into this category. Yeah. Uh, and that would in fact, like cause some kind of a controversy, like, there's a lot of things that people take as sort of articles of faith sure. that we don't necessarily, um, you know, question uh, because they don't because they, you can't scientifically prove them. Sure. I mean, it, I mean that's that's the definition of faith, right? right. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that uh, you know that people believe uh, in 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 various religions, but you know you can't put a scientific uh, finger on them to say like, oh yeah, this is this is definitely 
you know, this is true. I've proven it with the, with the test or with a, you no. know, uh, no. whatever, you know, you just Noah's Ark. We'll we'll throw out yeah. something that covers the three major Western religions. <laughs> Noah's Ark. Right. Find it. Prove yeah. that it's it. Right. It's, uh. Right. I mean, but people don't, you know, it's 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 OK. Right. Like there's a lot of things like that where, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's OK for people to believe this. Right. But we do have scientific scrutiny that's that might say, like, hey, this isn't really happening or, or whatever. Or we don't have scientific evidence of it or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, but people still have, have sort of, I think in, in, in civil society, we have sort of a, a, night, a separation of church and state where, uh, and I don't mean in the, in the governmental sense, right, right? where uh, there are people who will say, well, this is a scientific th thing and this is an article of faith. And then there are some people for whom, like, hey, you've got to prove, you know, they, they don't, they can't deal with this disjuncture, right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of people, for example, who will say like, "Hey, uh, the Earth is really only five thousand years old," or something like that, even yeah. though all of sci all of our scientific evidence says that it's, you know, four billion years old. Gotta so, put dinosaur bones there to question or to test our faith. I got you. Right, and there. So there's people who believe that, and I'm not. It's above my pay grade for our for our call. Our show just to, just to, to, to question what those folks are saying, uh, but it's never come into something where that I know of where there was an actual piece of electronics mm -hmm. that was that was an article an article of faith. Like yeah. every other religious gadget I can think of is is first of all not electron really electronic and doesn't require doesn't and taking it apart or or whatever wouldn't take apart your your, your faith or whatever. Right. 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 But um, it's all secondary tertiary stuff. We're in, this is a primary thing. It's a core part of, of practice. And, right. Right. So and under, understanding it from a scientific standpoint could cause, uh, and, questioning, you know, yeah. the Scientology. And I think one of the things that happens in Scientology is that they will, isn't it correct that they will use those on people who are not Scientologists yet? And, you know, it's kind of a way of, I don't know, trying to, um, you know, proselytize. Yes. They say, use them. They, they use them in mall kiosks. Into the faith. So Sign, signs that say stress test. Yeah. Right. So, so, which is obviously you know, different than some of the other things that ways that we see some religions uh, proselytize. Sure. But, you know, hey, uh, to each their own. But I think there's some worry there that if they look at it and they're like, oh, yeah, we've kind of demystified, demystified the e-meter that that will harm yeah. uh, the credibility of their, the uh, harm the credibility of their effort. Sure. The, sure. The, the and problem is ever since ever since Leah Remini's show, they've had to they, they've they've really had to go into kind of offensive mode, I think, because she did a good job of screwing up credibility. Um, uh, I think with, they've been. I mean, I think 
I don't think that was the first thing like oh, that. I mean, there's no, but that was. I think that was the first time that there was something that was widely watched. It was on a on a basic cable channel. I think it was a you know it was widely available. Um, right, right. So for those anyway. of us for those of us here, like uh, if if they opened the vents on their on their uh, kitchen stoves, I could smell it. Like that's how close we are to HQ. Right. Um, so you know. We know a lot about. Uh, anytime somebody quotes information, it comes from our local newspaper because <laughs> they did the, <laughs> the big investigation. The St. Pete Times did the the rundown. Um, so you know we know a lot here, but I think outside of our area and outside of L.A., it was a little less known uh, before. And now I think they're having to. That's why you're seeing the TV commercials and the billboards and stuff like that. At least we are. I don't know. <laughs> I realize right. so, it's special here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing that around here. But anyway, yeah, so I think I think this is so, but they have to set a legal precedent. And they don't want to say, yeah. I don't think they want to, I think they want, it's Scientology and there's, there's science in the name, right? So they want, I think they want to maintain the sanctity, of the, the concept of the E-meter sure. is, um, you know, does what it says. And so I think they're worried that if somebody, I mean, I don't know, to, to be, to try to be sort of look at it charitable to their point of view, let's say, you know, they're thinking somebody who doesn't know what the E-meter, know enough about the E-meter might right. look at it and say something like, oh, this, this is just a whatever, whatever, it doesn't yeah. really do what it says, and then it's more bad publicity for them. So if, so what, um, I, you know, I don't know enough about anything to say whether that person would be right or, or whatever, right. who knows? So I think consequently they're trying to protect this sort of article of faith sure. and their way of doing it is to say, oh yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to, um, we're going to make sure that anybody who has to use such device has been trained on it the, mm -hmm. the problem is what you said is it that stretches out to anything yeah right because now and every now logic now logitech says the quick start guide in their the box with their mouse is special training and therefore you can't open it right obviously that's a a comical <laughs> extreme but well you know wait don't you have the special training if you read the quick start guide Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, they said if you had the special training, you could repair it, right? True, true. So if the quick start guide is the special training... You could training, still get around it. Then you... I mean, that I guess it depends on who decides what the special training is, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, all, you know, all of it, you know, starts getting... Starts getting weird. It's... It, from a Scientology standpoint... Couldn't care less. Y'all do whatever you want with your devices. I know they're not supposed to make it outside of your walls. There are hundreds of them on eBay. Um, whatever. Don't care. Um, and, I, and I'm fully aware that it's those devices that they're trying to keep people from taking apart. Um, but from that standpoint, don't care. Um, I think the wording, the specific wording 
uh, is problematic as a whole uh, for the purpose of what the carve-outs are supposed to allow. Um, and hopefully, again, Scientology out of it. If Logitech was asking for the same thing uh, or, you know, BD or Medline or whatever, if I would be just as problematic. I'd, I'd find it just as problematic. Um, the wording is... I don't want to say amateurish, but it does seem way too broad um, and would certainly cause a problem. And I don't think that the 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 office Maybe. is is going to accept it, is I, my guess. Yeah, I, I, I hope they don't because, I mean, there's it, it's like I don't care what happens with the e-meters. I don't yeah. think most people do. But to say that you have to impose another restriction on anybody who wants to exercise the right to repair is very problematic. Yeah. So no, I, I don't think, and you know, I, I suspect should, go, should fly. And I suspect it's about to come headlong into conflict with California anyway. Um, with, with their new law, uh, that that's in the works. I think it's going to come into direct conflict over there. I don't think it's going to, I think that's going to override make it more more acceptable even than the the carve out to the DMCA. Right to repair is about to get about as wild as age verification for adult content and uh, whether or not you have to have an external app store on your mobile device. Like I think this right to repair is going to be right up there in in intensity uh, of fights from both sides of the argument. Uh, but I think right to repair is going to go in favor of consumers, and I think it's going to happen quickly. The EU's already behind it. California's clearly behind it. Even the U.S. Copyright Office has been has been pushing little carve outs for for years. I think it's an I think they have an uphill battle here, and likely one that is absolutely uh, impossible for them to actually pull off. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, Avram. Uh, you have been having a fight with your own computer. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> it's that's the whole fun of having computers, isn't it? The problems. That's what that's what they tell us. No problems. No problems. No fun. Um. So, uh, took a break this week from complaining about AI to complain about Windows instead. Um. <laughs> So I, I wrote an article um, this week about something that happened to me. I, I think it's best if I kind of show uh, show a screenshot. So I will. Um, oops. Let's share screen. Okay. So this is so the other day I logged. I still run Windows. So 
I'll preface this by saying I still run Windows 10 on, on my desktop and I run Windows 11 on my laptop. That way I kind of am using, since Windows uh, 10 is still 70, I think 73% of all Windows, uh, I'm used, still using one the majority uses and I have some reasons why I, I still like Windows 10 better, which we'll get to in a minute. But more importantly, here's what I got when I logged into my Windows 10 computer the other day. See that? This was right after I logged in and before I got to the desktop. It just showed me this and it made me say, you know, if you zoom in here, you'll see that uh, the option was get it, schedule it, or over here in the little corner, keep Windows 10. Then after you click that, after I clicked that, I got a second screen that asked me a second time like, are you sure? It was sort of like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to? Are you really, really sure? Because um, it kept saying, and then the other thing is, uh, if you use Windows 10, see, it would it still gave me, the, this was like the second screen show, so I had to decline upgrades, so two, two clicks, but that wasn't enough, because once I get back to the desktop, I have this little update icon in the um tray now if you use uh windows i believe i believe i don't know if this is what the icon looks like in windows 11 uh but this definitely what it looks like in windows 10. um you get the little icon that says like hey you know you got to reboot your computer and you click on it it usually takes you to the windows update page and tells you what critical updates you have so i click it but what i got instead was this i was up to date but it wants me to install Windows 11, even though I said no many times. So um, I find that really annoying because what it's doing is it's it's kind of ignoring your choice and trying to push you toward toward Windows 11. Um, uh, when you chosen to stay on Windows 10, which, by the way, is still a valid operating system and will be supported through, I don't know, into 2025. Um, now, uh, in my article, I explain how you can solve this problem. You can go to a particular, you can go, if you just have Windows 10 Home like I have and you don't have Pro, uh, you can go to uh, this registry key in your registry editor, set a... Uh, target release version value to one, and then make your target release version 22H2, which is the latest version of the last version, major version of Windows 10. And uh, supposedly it won't nag you anymore, although it's still sort of insidiously there. So in my uh, update menu, so I'll show you uh, in my Windows update, here's my Windows update uh, screen on Windows 10. And you'll notice over here in the corner, great news, your PC meets the minimum requirements. Dun, dun, dun. Hooray! Now, I don't have to, you know, at least this isn't as aggressive and it's not showing up as an alert. I think that's very, I think it's very kind of sleazy that it shows up with this like little alert uh, thing because that's telling you you have an important critical update that you need to, to install. But this isn't a critical update. This is them wanting to uh, to sell you on, well, sell you in the terms of it's, it's free, 
But let's be honest, they like Windows 11, want you on Windows 11 because Windows 11 uh, does more aggressive promotion, and I think, and I think more aggressive data collection, but certainly more aggressive promotion of and advertising for Microsoft stuff. I mean, when you go to install Windows 11, it, it tries to sell you a $10 a month subscription to, to Xbox Game Pass. So it, it's definitely, you know, the upgrade is free, but they're certainly trying to sell you things all along the way. Um, so why don't I like Windows 11 better? Now, I, I said at the beginning of this that I have, oops, that I have a, uh, here's, here's Windows 11, by the way, the virtual machine. Um, uh, that I, I said that I have this on my, on my laptop. So I'm using my laptop about half the week and my, my desktop about half the week. So I actually am using Windows 11, uh, quite a bit, but, um, I still like Windows 10 better for a few reasons. I, everywhere that I've tried it, it seems Windows 10 still seems to perform a little better, although numbers tell us that they should perform about the same, at least on relatively modern hardware. Um, I don't like the UI. Now there are things you can do to improve it and make it more look more like Windows 10, but um, of course these are all most of these are are hacks of one sort or another. So one thing I don't like, and and I know that there's workarounds for this sort of, is the start menu. This just to give you a, a flavor of what we're talking about here. So the start menu uh, has um, you can see on here 18. Uh, pinned apps. By the way, this is a clean install, and you can see how much uh, crapware Microsoft puts on there. Uh, link to LinkedIn, uh, you know, the Kindle, Solitaire, which they'll try to sell you an up upgrade, WhatsApp. If you didn't have Microsoft Office 365 already, try to sell you that. Um, so, this is taking up, uh, this start menu here is taking up 24.1% of the desktop real estate at 1080p resolution. Window, the start menu on Windows 10, on the other hand, let me see if I can get one of the, get a start menu on Windows 10 to show you. Uh, okay, I'm going to change what screen I'm sharing so you can see this. Okay. So here's a start menu. Here's a plane. Now, if you look at this, you can see that there are, we said there were 18, right? 18 shortcuts of Windows uh, 11. Here I see right here in the pinned tiles, we've got visible at one time, 6, 12, 15, plus over here, uh, well, you've got like this suggested recently added stuff that isn't always necessarily there if you're scrolling down. So if you're scrolling down, you can see there's an additional 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. The B could be also could be a stuff. So basically, I think there's like 33 slots here you're already seeing an alphabetical list you can scroll through uh and this takes up 21 percent of the screen real estate so it's much less information dense than um 
for your start menu. Uh, the other thing that I really don't like about Windows 11 still, the UI in Windows 11 uh, still to this day, is I do not like um, how they kind of hide, you know, the options. So on Windows 10, you had, you know, could see all your possible right-click options here. You have to click show more options to see them all, uh, you know, some to see the complete thing, which is weird too, because sometimes it'll appear like, look how far away it is from the text file, from the, the file I right clicked on. Um, there Again, there's a there's a registry hack that makes this appear, but Microsoft could break it at any time because it's a hack. Um, you can't, you know, reposition the, the, the taskbar. You can't uh, group the taskbar icons. You can't resize the taskbar. So there's a lot of things that you, uh, that you cannot do in Windows 11, that you can do in Windows 10 uh, UI-wise, even though Windows 11 has been around for almost uh, almost two years now. Uh, there's also just, like I said, a ton of wasted space. I mean, you do have these sort of recommended files, but you don't get a choice of what shows up there. You want to see the alphabetical list, you have to hit all apps. Look at all this white space. What a waste. You're like, I think the idea is they th thought you would be overwhelmed by having to actually like have a screen full of content. Also, I mean, duplicate, like here's your search box, but here's a search box here. Why do you have two of them? Um, so, you know, maybe these are nitpicks or whatever. And like, if you like Windows 11, by all means, install it. But I find it very annoying that Microsoft is trying to force this on people when they haven't really come up with an incredibly compelling reason to switch. It, um, I mean, the main reasons that they've come up to switch are come up with to switch are you know like oh yeah uh, let's see you can have an Android emulator, a Windows subsystem on Android, which is like horribly slow. It doesn't uh, run the Google Play Store. Uh, you can have a few more options snapping your menus and uh, su and support. I think one thing that it, that I would want if I had 6E is that it supports one. For some reason, just to differentiate, but for no real technical reason, you can't do Wi-Fi 6E on Windows 10, unless there's some kind of workaround for it that I haven't seen. But uh, they, they've sort of officially banned it, uh, six, Wi-Fi 6E six e support from Windows 10 just to come up with sort of a false reason for somebody to upgrade. But, I mean, I just haven't seen a really compelling reason to switch. It just seems like they moved a lot of the, the furniture around and then glued it to the floor to make sure you couldn't move it back. Uh, <laughs> just, just to say, like, look how different we are. We, you know... And then when they finally bring a feature back, like the search bar box wasn't in the start taskbar until just a few months ago, even though that had been in the taskbar in Windows 10 since it launched in 2015. Um, so what was going on there? They like take a feature away and then they bring it back and then they, they act like it's progress. So, I mean, eventually I'll probably be forced to switch. It won't be the biggest deal in the world, but I do find it very annoying that Microsoft is trying to force this on people. Uh, but fortunately, if you go uh, check out my article, I have 
uh, instructions on how to stop it from nagging. Well, thank goodness for that, because uh, obviously the nagging is is never fun. Uh, um, so it's interesting. So I also have uh, mixed machines, uh, some 10 and some 11. Um, but the 10s that I have are out of support for 11, so they never nag me. Right. So I didn't, like, yeah. I until seeing what you were, like, what you've been dealing with, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was this bad. Yeah, I mean, I think they should take no the first time, you know? But, I mean, Microsoft kind of has a, a history of nagging you. I mean, look at what yeah. happens with the, uh, you know, when you go to install Chrome or something, Edge gives you a message like, don't do it. Did you know that Edge so, is better? Don't worry about Chrome. Everything's fine. Stay with us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, I feel like this is the kind of thing that got them in trouble with, with the antitrust like 25 years ago. Certainly. Uh, certainly what went down in, uh, in Europe. Why they had to yeah. change how integrated uh, Internet Explorer was in Windows 98 Second Edition. Yep. I mean, so it is what it is. I, I mean, the bottom line is that whether they can upgrade or not, 73% of the vast majority are still on Windows 10. Mm -hmm. So now some of those are probably, a lot of those are probably people who can't upgrade to Windows 11, mm -hmm. but they haven't really, Microsoft still hasn't provided a really compelling reason to, to, to move. They just, they just haven't. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the reason. Have you seen a reason that you feel like is really compelling? Uh, I'll tell you, depending on, <clears throat> depending on the machine, I have found even machines technically out of support, which, of course, I would never install Windows 11 on a machine that is officially out of support. Um, uh, even on, particularly on this machine, um, I find it actually runs better. Um, on 11 than it did on 10. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, and granted, this thing was designed for 8, so, you know, everything's up in the air on it. But... Uh, my laptop definitely runs slower since I have put it to 11. It's yeah. much, much slower. But I also have thrown caution to the wind on my laptop, and I run Insider Program on there, so I don't know if that if mm -hmm. that itself would make it slower, but yes, I'm in like the dev channel on on my laptop, and I never really have problems with like it crashing or anything like yeah. that. Actually, it's fine. I just want to. I want to have. Uh, I would go into Canary, but I feel like that, which is the the earliest build. Yeah, but I feel like that might be uh, too much of a stretch for something that I'm using for work. So, just asking um, for trouble. Yeah. I have, if I hear there's a cool feature in Canary, I'll install it in a VM. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I have two, I have twin machines. Um, and one I have running uh, 11 release and one I have running 11 uh, insider dev. 
Uh, and the dev machine definitely, like, the general usage, uh, resource usage is higher, sitting idle. Um, and everything runs slower. From what I understand, some of the some of the operating system is built in debug mode for uh, Insider, which would explain why some uh, of it runs slower. Uh, that, I don't know that for sure, but it's what I've heard that parts of it, uh, whatever they're whatever they're testing hard in the current build, could have been built in debug mode so that they get uh, constant diagnostics. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I just, you know, I want to see what the latest... What they're up to. And I, I have a journalistic interest in seeing sure. what the latest stuff is. So. Sure. Yeah, so I've got I've got a machine uh, upstairs in the office that uh, is running on Insider. And I'm always surprised when I get onto, like, this computer that's not. And I try to use a feature that I've come... To become so used to, and it's, and it's not, not there. there. Right. Where, where's right. that? Exactly. Oh, right. Never mind. It's not real yet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I mean, there have been some improvements, like getting the search bar back or something. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, also, I really wanted to try. I mean, to try the co-pilot uh, stuff that they have, uh, which. So far, it's extremely disappointing. It doesn't do much. But again, like, how am I going to know if I don't have it installed, right? Yeah, for sure. I can't complain. You, If you're going to complain, you got to know what you're complaining about, you know? So, um, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I have to kind of separate the hype because we'll hear all the time stuff like, oh, yes, it has AI built in now. And then you go and you click it. And it's like the co-pilot thing is just a window on the side that basically... Is the same thing as visiting Big Chat. Yeah. You know. <laughs> there's there's so much weird hype in all kinds of weird directions, but you know, we don't have control over it. It is what it is. <laughs> yep. Well, Avram, as always, I appreciate it. Again, I was unaware of of just how how naggy they've gotten on Windows 10 users mm -hmm. whose computers are capable of upgrading. Because <laughs> um, yeah. like, the machine the machine that runs the chat over here, Windows 10, I mean, well out of support for 11. And I don't get any, any annoyances about it because it can't do it. So I don't experience any of that, which, you know, has its ups and downs. I don't get to see what you're seeing, but I also don't have to see what you're seeing. So, <laughs> you know ups and downs but uh definitely appreciate it and as always avram i look forward to what we talk about next time This week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, 
the latest in Bluetooth 5.0 and 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. Over the last couple of years, handheld gaming has become a big thing. It used to be a big thing. Nintendo had the Game Boy, Sega had the Game Gear, PlayStation had the uh, PSP, um, and then it kind of dropped off. Uh, smartphones became common, people were going to that for handheld gaming, uh, but dedicated gaming devices have come back. Obviously, again, Nintendo uh, put that uh, into motion with the Switch. Then uh, Valve came behind with the uh, Steam Deck. And now it seems everybody wants in on the action. And our most recent addition is from Lenovo. It is the Legion Go, which is an interesting combination of things. It is a handheld gaming computer, like the Steam Deck, with removable controllers, like the Switch, and the whole thing runs Windows 11. Now, if you're not watching this sequentially, go back and check out the pilch point about Windows 11. But <laughs> uh, that notwithstanding, um, it is a full-fledged Windows machine out of the box. Which means you have more, more choice out of the box than you do with, say, the Steam Deck. Um, you can use Steam. You can even use Steam in big picture mode, which is essentially, uh, which is pretty similar to what um, the Steam OS interface does. Uh, but then you can do Epic Games. You can do uh, Xbox Game Pass and you know the Microsoft Store and just write your own. Down, you know, right? There's there's all kinds of capabilities. Plus, it's a Windows 11 computer, so. You can use Word and PowerPoint and all kinds of other things on it as well. Plus, the specs on it are pretty fantastic. Um, in particular, where it totally outshines uh, the Steam Deck is that its 8.8-inch screen has a resolution of 2560 by 1600 as opposed to the 720 screen that's on the Steam Deck, um, which I think is going to be very popular for for gamers um, and starting price at 699 so it's not an inexpensive device but um, you know they have put a significantly better screen on it um, I don't know I'm torn on it Abram because a lot of people who bought the Steam Deck have said it's now collecting dust Huh, interesting. So, you know, I so first of all, I want to say that um, if you want to see some more detail and some pictures, I don't think your article has any like first uh, person original pictures in it. Yeah. Uh, we have some on uh, Tom's hardware because Andrew, uh, our Andrew Friedman, our uh, PCs editor, uh, had the chance to go yeah. meet with Lenovo and, and actually try it. Super So uh, I didn't get to go that day, but he did. <laughs> so 
uh, his impression of it, uh, his impression of it is that it, um, it was a little heavy yeah. compared to the Steam Deck. Uh, I mean, when we're talking heavy, we're talking that it's about what uh, four tenths of a pound heavier. So you know, not. I don't know how serious it is. It's one point eight eight pounds versus one point four seven pounds, and the ROG Ally, the Strix, sorry, ASUS ROG Ally is one point three four pounds. Uh, okay. So you know, this is so. And that one. Uh, that one we missed when we were off as well. Uh, that was that was going to be one of our topics, right? So what what the what the overall what the broader topic is is that people won't seem to want this form factor, or I should say, companies seem to think people want it. Um, I think the Steam Deck has gotten you know I mean, it's a good question. I don't know what the sort of like retention is i mean where have you read that people aren't using them um yeah even from reporters um some of your colleagues some of the other sites have have even written about how they were excited when they bought them and now they're sitting on a shelf i know a couple of friends alante is the exception uh, but i know a couple of friends that were carrying them around with them all the time uh when they first got them um uh for people who have been around for a while audie uh was carrying hers around every time I saw her and uh, I haven't seen it recently. Um, um, it, it definitely, it definitely faded quickly. It may not have faded entirely. Um, obviously, Alante is a great example of that, but um, it, it, the usage seems to have so, slowed. And who do knows? Do these same people play why? Switch? Do these same um, people play Nintendo Switch? Yes. Um, in fact, I've seen Audi with her Switch around more recently than I have with the Steam Deck. So, so what that suggests is that the form factor, the uh -huh. idea is a solid one. Mm -hmm. The problem is, what can you is the titles that you can play right. on it? Right. Which seems which right. seems like what um, uh, what Lenovo is going after here, right? The limitation with the Steam Deck. Out of box, again, you can wipe it and put windows on it. Right. Um, but out of box, the experience is limited to Steam and Linux. Yeah. Linux games so, on Steam. So. Although it's a great device for Xbox Game Pass, from what I understand. <laughs> so, you know, for what it's worth, my son has a, a Nintendo switch right and we play it together a lot mm -hmm. and like that form factor is fantastic but the games obviously have to be made for it and a lot of pc games are made to be used with keyboard and mouse right so so you need you know the games have to really like be made for that kind of dual Support stick controller and you know that to really be controller friendly games yeah. um but the but the, what we do find with the Switch, and maybe this is happening more and more lately, which suggests to me that Nintendo should, you know, maybe come out with a new Switch after all these years. With sounds more, like uh, sounds like they're working on it, like a faster one, because we a have second, had games. A second gen. I mean, it's certainly time, right? Yeah. Uh, we have had games that we have played on it where they lag, like where we get like huge, like. 
huge performance issues. Uh, like we had a game we were playing today that we really enjoy called Gigabash, um, which apparently was originally a PC game. Um, really fun game. You can play co-op and it's like you're, you know, like Kaiju and you can fight each other or fight in co-op and go through levels or whatever. Not a very complicated game, but sure. a lot of, not very high graphic, not very fancy graphics. But if you've got enough enemies on the screen at once, it starts to get very, very laggy. Um, so, and and it's a game that was originally made for PC. So mm -hmm. it's like, oh, if you could just turn the performance up a little bit, it would mm -hmm. probably be, it would probably be okay, and it wouldn't have those lag situations. So, well, there's also um, there's also issues in there where uh, the way they ported the game. Uh, could be a problem because uh, there's there's multiple right. ways to do it. If it's a port instead of a rewrite, if it's a port, it can cause uh, it can right. cause performance that's, issues too. And yeah, you know, that that's possible too. I mean, we had we had issues like that with, for example, with um, Minecraft Dungeons, which we played on it, which we liked a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I can see why people would want the form factor, and I could see yeah. why people would want the freedom of playing PC games on it. This is much more expensive than a Switch, though, at $699. Yeah. And they should be thinking of themselves more as competing with the Switch than as competing with uh, than as competing with the Steam Deck. Because I mean, I think I understand that people are a lot of people are their console gamers or the PC gamers, or they like certain games on the console and certain games on the PC, but this form factor really sort of says like hey i want the type of game i would play on a console yeah and and if you're going to do that then 700 dollars is a lot of money yeah uh i mean to start maybe people to, to start. start it's important to note so this starts at 699 and i think tops out at 1099 the steam deck starts at 399 and tops out at 649 so even the top model of the steam deck is 50 bucks less than the bottom model of this one yeah it just seems like you know and what is this switch 300 dollars uh depends on the model but yeah i think they're 299 and 349 or 369 right if you want like the oled one so yeah or or I mean, 199 for the the light oh that's right 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 the switch light yeah. Whatever. With, with the you can't take the the uh, the Joy Cons off. Yeah. Um. Which we do not recommend, with the the right uh, the drift issues. Right. Right. Well, that that's the thing is one thing that Lenovo is doing with this is so these are detachable, which mm -hmm. the Steam Deck is not. Right. So that gives you the possibility of being able to replace them, which is nice. Plus, they say that they're using a Hall Effect sensor. That would help avoid drift. So, right. um, so good for them for for trying to address that issue, uh, because mm -hmm. if you're going to spend this kind of money on something where the 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 sticks are built in, you want to make sure that uh, you're not leaving people in the lurch um, if the sticks start to fail after a few yeah. months. So, I mean, eh, yeah, I mean, I. I, I like this idea. I think it's a little expensive. Maybe part of the issue is the cost of getting all those components and getting them down to that small size. Uh, 
also they went for a 140 a 2k 144 hertz screen mm -hmm. uh i don't know if they needed that much resolution um i mean this certainly would make them stand out by having a better screen but sure i think i'd rather have it smaller and lower resolution i mean why do you need that much resolution on a screen that small so so like it's you're not going to get the benefit with the ppi so so it's interesting um adam uh one of our coaches over at strike um talks about uh resolution in gaming and having a high resolution monitor and playing your games in 720 um because you get more um more surface area on which to uh click you get it's it's fascinating i mean i guess yeah everything's bigger so you're going to be easier to, to hit your target but on an eight inch screen or a nine inch screen or whatever like you're not going to run it like 2560 by 1600 that's a lot yeah right for I mean, I know on phones now, we're used to having phone screens that are ridiculously high resolution mm -hmm. that really don't need to be. But, I mean, and listen, I'm a fan of high resolution, believe me. Um, but we were going to create the, the we were going to create the the group within the CTA to get rid of 1366 laptops. I mean, 1366 laptops are a horror. But like now you get to, there's a, there is a point of diminishing returns. And that point is when you have an 8.8 inch screen, like for the windows desktop, being able to have like 1080p is, is good. Although you would probably have to turn up the scaling mm -hmm. if you were actually looking at the windows desktop on it. But 2k, I mean, even on a 14 inch screen, 2k resolution is is hard to see unless you up the scaling dramatically at which point you've lost a lot of the benefit so but the processing power that you need to drive that 2560 by 1600 and 144 hertz they're not going to get it out of a right uh, an amd ryzen z1 extreme mm -hmm. right i mean at best maybe they can play games at 1080 um and definitely, and probably not 1080, 144 hertz unless they're playing a really old game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the screen is over. The screen is overkill. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm sure. I, I want to put one in my hands. I mean, it seems it seems like fun. It seems like fun. It seems like I mean, we see this form factor is something that people want. Yep. I think it's a little ex I think it's a little heavy and expensive. Mm -hmm. The RG Ally is also quite expensive. Yeah. I think you need to get I think uh to compete with Steam Deck, you really probably need to be five hundred dollars or less. Probably. Um, because at that point people who might be buying a Switch would be saying, like, well, this is better than the Switch, I'm getting to play my PC games or whatever. Um so on the other hand games that were made for the switch first of all you get to play nintendo games that you can't mm -hmm. play on pc true uh and, um you know you can't play any of that ip and second of all games that have been ported to the switch are supposed to be able to run on that hardware whereas a lot of the stuff for steam deck you know you can try to run things on it 
that aren't optimized for it but you know and that's the beauty of piece of the pc ecosystem but you know you can't be guaranteed that they'll all work so yeah. they'll all work well so that's the key. um right so i mean there's obviously a desire yeah uh in the marketplace for people to have the nintendo switch form factor to play pc games yeah um and i think that's great it's a lovely form factor uh so you know i think that's great i'm glad to see somebody else getting into the another company getting into the marketplace um maybe we'll see even more but um i think people i think they're still trying to figure out what consumers really want uh-huh. but my guess is that they want my guess is they probably want it lighter than this they probably want it lighter a little bit smaller and lighter than this yeah yeah Either way, I want to put my hands on it. And to your comment about uh, um, seeing more of these, I suspect right now it's the big guys that are that are putting their hands in the pot. But my guess is at CES, we're gonna see everybody putting their hands in the pot. Everybody's gonna well, want. We've already. It's already, but those have already existed. There's like there's a bunch on Amazon. I'm trying to yeah. consider like basically little known Chinese brands that have been doing this kind of stuff for years and they're very expensive. Like yes. They're very, very expensive. So right. those, those are like thousand dollars plus to be clear. Right. Uh, so, but I, I suspect, you know, I suspect what we'll see is maybe the second tier brands and the, the non computer brands, maybe the accessory brands who are going to license in and stuff like that. Um, I suspect that we'll see, stuff like that start coming to market um, or at least be announced during CES this year. Once they see, you know, the Steam Deck sold out, they were they were back ordered. We'll see what happens with this and its, its sidekick. Um, the weird PlayStation portal probably won't have... <laughs> PlayStation's Wii U I mean- um, probably won't have any bearing on it, but... Um, you know, if they see a couple of successes, you might see some of the, the traditional accessory manufacturers start getting into the game. Well, I want to see if Alienware is going to get into the game because they, they almost did. They had a concept, concept UFO, Mm -hmm. uh, that was pretty well good to go. Uh, and they decided not to come out with it. So, um, like they're the natural, like the natural companies that you should expect to be getting into this are not Lenovo, is not Lenovo, maybe Asus, but more likely uh, Alienware, Razer. Um, I was gonna say Razer because they had one too. Alienware and Razer. Well, Razer didn't Razer have one that was basically it was a an Android. Well, an Android one. They had a CES prototype that never came to market. Uh, um, oh, and by the way, Razer actually did at one time was the first was the pioneer. They actually had I'm trying to remember what it was called. Was it called the Razer Blade or something like 10 years ago? They had a uh, a and they sold it like a PC, um, a, a PC screen with like two hand joysticks. But it was huge. It was like 12 inches or something like that. I'm trying to remember. Right. And it never it didn't really go anywhere. But they did come out with it, actually. The Razor Edge game. Yeah. I think was the name of it. 
the but it it had its own problems because it was running a Qualcomm Snapdragon processor. Right. Which which create as as you have noted over the years, the experience on it, if you're not just trying to run Android, um, you know, is very different. Right. Windows on Windows right. on ARM has been questionable at best. But so they you know trying to succeed with that was gonna be a challenge anyway. I'll tell you what nobody wants. Nobody wants an Android gaming console. Nobody wants that. Stop I we've seen Correct. it time and again. Oh, yeah. Don't make it happen. Please stop. Like nobody cares. Uh, Android is Android gaming is the problem is it's full of free to play PC games that are just trying to kind of get you to pay a little extra to, to buy something else. It's a different kind of experience, the phone gaming ecosystem and just like people don't want to, to invest more money to play the games that they play on their phone. So, so, uh, a reborn Nokia engage is not going to be in your future. I, I, I just I don't think anybody wants. I, I like we've seen companies to like do it or want to do it because it's easy enough for them to just basically take the phone processor and put that experience into that form factor. But I think that's terrible. Yeah. I, I mean, what people want is they want they want the Windows ecosystem, or barring that, like they want you know the Steam ecosystem, or barring that, something that's like a really good catered uh, game system like Nintendo. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. The the weird exceptions of you know Android powered uh, fake Game Boys that you can actually pop a Game Boy cartridge into, things like that. That's that's a whole like very specialty thing. But it's not it's not just an Android phone with controllers. It's not a Nokia Engage. Uh, that that concept. I think Nokia proved that that concept in the first heyday of handheld gaming. Nokia proved that that wasn't going to be that wasn't going to be the win. So, I want to put my hands on it. I'm, I'm going to reserve some of my judgment until I have one in my hand on, on weight, on performance, and things like that. Um, hopefully, hopefully, I will be able to do that at some point. Um, worst case scenario, they do become available October 23rd uh, of this year. So, you know, seven weeks or so from now. So, maybe I'll head down to a retailer and see if I can put my hands on one uh, <laughs> if they end up in stores. But it's an interesting concept, and we'll see what comes of it. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. All right, so uh, last year, Congress um, created a scenario where um, 
the FCC was to create labeling rules for internet service providers. Um, uh, similar to the nutrition facts, essentially, on, on food. They wanted to have a scenario where people understood what they were paying for. Uh, we did it with uh, cell phone bills a number of years ago where all of the fees had to be spelled out. And that was one of the rules um, involved here. As you might expect, the ISPs responded negatively uh, and have actually, through their uh, trade groups, petitioned the FCC to abandon the concept entirely. Now, a couple problems. One, it wasn't their choice. They didn't come up with the idea, right? It was it was Congress that said this is what this is what you need to put together, um, and two, consumers generally want it. Um, they responded very positively uh, in the initial um, comment period. Uh, consumers were pretty excited. Instead of you know, my my cable bill is fifty nine ninety nine. I don't know what cable runs these days, um, and I pay eighty three. Why? Um, which fees, that's the answer right now. Fees, what fees? Don't worry about it. Uh, and so the FCC wanted to get rid of that answer of don't worry about it and put, you know, this is it, this is it, this is it. Um, and so this week the FCC responded to the trade groups and basically said, uh, too bad, sad story, QQ. Uh, so, um... Like, they were almost that kind of harsh, which was kind of fun to see. Um, so these rules are 100% as of right now going to go into effect. Um, my favorite part was that the ISPs um, tried to claim that telling consumers what they were paying for was going to be too confusing for them. That was my favorite part. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if you read the letter that went to the FCC or not. But I read it top to bottom, and that was my favorite part, Abram. I mean, I the thing is, I don't really get too excited about this labeling stuff either way because it isn't really going to solve the problem. Like, the problem is that they're charging the fees. The problem isn't that they're labeling, that they're not labeling the fees. Yeah. So I guess the hope is that if they label it, then it will look indefensible and it'll look indefensible and they'll have to stop. But, but, but who says, who says that like, first of all, these companies, most businesses that are trying to make a profit through charging people fees don't have shame. So it's not like they're going to, Oh, I can't believe we're giving you a, like a convenience fee or something like that. So we're going to have to, you know, it's about, we're embarrassed to say this. So we're going to take $5 off of everyone's bill and cost ourselves like a, you know, a hundred million dollars in revenue. Yeah. Like they're not going to do that. Like, so, and we, and most people for ISPs have either one choice or duopoly, maybe, or maybe three choices at the best. So that's like, that's my situation here. I am fortunate to have three choices. One of them's not great. And one of them we're going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> so, but, so but I do have three. So, so realistically, does 
seeing the fees on the bill is that going to make you motivate you to just to switch like what is going to like what's going to my guess is what's going to motivate you to switch is one of two things or one of three things one whether the overall cost is cheaper mm -hmm. right so if the cost is of one isp is eighty dollars the other one's a hundred dollars a hundred dollar one is a flat hundred dollars eighty dollar one is really you know fifty dollars or thirty dollars worth of bs fees like you're still going to go for the 80 dollars one because it's cheaper sure. so like the over the, what you really care about is how much you're spending and and so having to disclose the fees like if they're charging them what difference does it make now where i mean i think it's good it's it's good that like before you sign up mm -hmm. you should know what you're going to be paying and that is um, that is a hundred percent well i mean that's 99 percent what this is about this has to be included on all marketing websites brochures all of that has it has to be included there so you'll know right. what the final price is ahead of time which is a right. big part of this but not knowing but like whether you knew like whether you knew that let's say it like whether you knew about the, the what the fees were for or not like as long as you know what you're going to be paying like yeah that's like that's what you need to know now sure, sure. it would be nice if you it would be nice if this result if this resulted in people saying something like Wow, you really charging me ten dollars for that? We know you're full of it, but like, even if you say that, who are you gonna say it to? You're gonna call them up and get the the voicemail tree and complain? Like, mm -hmm. right? You don't really have any recourse. Your only recourse is to switch. And so, when you're signing up, you should know what you're going to pay. Now, I wish this were true of everything else in life because there's yeah. so many things that are full of fees, and and this that are full of fees like this that you don't expect. I mean, they should do that when you go to the hospital, right? Um, but the um, but but the reality is, okay. So you're gonna like labeling or not labeling. The, I, the the problem, as always, is are you are you getting the features that you need at the price that you want? Sure. Um, period. Sure, but. The, the good news is you will have that information ahead of time, right? Before you sign up, when you're doing your research, you know, wow says it's $49 a month and spectrum says it's $69 a month, but S spectrum is only passing on fed. I have no idea. Spectrum is only passing on federal fees versus wow. That's got all kinds of whatever, right? No way to know that ahead of time. Now there is. So yeah. you'll, we'll be able to compare end of day price, which, yeah. I, which mean, I think is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Because they clearly make a choice when they're doing these things. Like they all have to pay whatever it is that they have to pay to the government. Mm -hmm. And they all have costs. But, you know, they have a choice about whether that goes into the regular price or they're tacking it on. Right. And it should just go into the regular price, like period. 
I, I recently, yeah. uh, like about six months ago, changed my plan from like Verizon cable to Verizon home internet only with no cable. And what I was shocked to find out when I called, I asked them, I'm like, oh, it says it's going to be this price, but what it's, what's it really going to be? Like, what's, what are the fees? Because the cable easily had like $30 at least worth of fees. Every mm-hmm. And, and they said, oh, no, no, there's no fees. And I, I didn't believe it. But so far, they've been right. It's been exactly $49.99 a month. Now, does that mean that they don't have to pay licensing to the FCC or whatever it is? No. Nope. Uh, I think that they're just absorbing the price in, you know, it's part of the price. So they have a choice. They don't have to, nobody ever has to charge you a fee ever. Right. They can, they can build it into the price and then price their things appropriately. Right. Every time they add on a fee, they're just doing it to deceive you. Right. Absolutely. Look at, look at AT&T or we'll go with the same company. Look at T-Mobile five years ago versus Metro PCS. Same company. Uh, T-Mobile had all the fees. You know, it's this how, this much. And then there's FCC fees, blah, blah, blah. And Metro PCS. The price on the, on the sign outside is what you pay. Right. Same, same exact company. Because Metro just pulled it all into the price. This is this is what your out the door price is going to be, and it worked really well for them. So, I I think that kind of behavior, knowing the price up front, is helpful for consumers. Right. And in you know if you're bucking the trend in Metro's case, you know it was a it was a big sales success. So much so that other companies started doing it behind them. Right, you had uh, right. uh, what was the the walkie-talkie one? Not Nextel, but it's Boost oh, Next- Mobile. Boost Mobile, yeah, uh, did it, and you know you started to see more companies kind of come behind. Uh, Cricket, AOA. I don't remember what their the other one was. Um, they got sued out of existence for using Fuchsia. Uh, but you know, being upfront about pricing seems to only help so right. unless unless you're being shady <laughs> right yeah so uh we'll we'll see what comes of it it's definitely an interesting idea we saw something similar uh they didn't have to disclose up front but you had they had to uh disclose each fee on your bill uh with wireless a number of years ago um and so we started to see those fees get absorbed um so maybe we'll see the same thing here. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live refreshing technology is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial, all by going to f5live.tv prime. We were just talking about... 
ISPs, and I'll talk about the other side of the house and cable. Um, the way cable works is most of the time they don't produce the content, right? Um, and even if the same company does, it's a different relationship. One of the exceptions would be if your your cable company has a, a news station, right? Uh, Spectrum News, for example. Most of the cable stations have something like that. Maybe they've got you know local sports channels, things like that. But in general, they license the content from the likes of Comcast and you know uh, Paramount and Disney. This week, something interesting happened. We'll start at the top. Uh, Spectrum and Disney. Uh, have been renegotiating their renewal for Disney channels on Spectrum. This happens regularly. Um, and also what happens regularly is that the contracts don't get renewed in time and the stations disappear for a couple days. We see it happen at the end of a lot of contract negotiations. Disney, over the last couple of years, uh, we, we've seen it with YouTube TV and Dish Network and now Spectrum. Um they have disappeared off of Spectrum. But something interesting happened this time that I haven't seen happen in the past. Normally, um, customers seem to get mad at the cable company for losing their channels. That's not what happened this time. Customers seem to have got, generally gotten mad at Disney. Um... So much so that Cancel Disney Plus was trending on Twitter. Or X, or whatever we're calling it now. Um, because they were saying that if Disney was going to demand this much money uh, and hurt us this way, that we're going to hurt them that way by canceling Disney Plus. It's an interesting change of position that I think comes about almost entirely because of the weird uh, relationship between consumers and media that has happened over the last couple of years um, and the way we interact with it, right? Um, there was the whole, you know, Netflix created a business model. All the other companies wanted to get on board, even though Netflix's business model doesn't quite work the way they said it did. Um, and the more people, more companies who have gotten involved, you know, cord cutting, you're not actually cutting a cord, but cord cutting has gotten as expensive as not at this point. Um, and we now think of the, as the, the streaming companies oftentimes first, Avram, you just said in the last segment that you dumped the cable side and went just yep. internet side, right? So, so many of Am us. Am I saving money? Uh, <laughs> Probably a little not. bit, <laughs> not that much, a little bit, a little bit. Right. I, I think I'm saving like 30 or $40. Well, no, I, I take it back. Okay. So I was paying like with all the fees and the other people had it worse. I was paying something like 185 or $190 a month for, uh, for my cable and internet, uh, with the DVR, a couple of cable boxes, most and not maybe like one premium channel. So now, and then okay. I also, on top of that, was still spending money on streaming services right. like Disney Plus and Netflix. So 
when I cut it, my internet just by itself for faster internet, I might add, um, went down to was just fifty dollars, and that's all I have to pay. Okay. But then my family wanted like a live TV service, so we got YouTube TV. Sure. And that was sixty dollars, but now it's like seventy dollars because YouTube TV is effectively cable, right? It it, it right. pays licensing for all these different channels. Right. Works the same. Uh, except that, and in fact, you know, Disney Disney had trouble with them uh, in a contract negotiation. I think two years ago. Right. So, so if you take YouTube TV, which is like $70 and the cost of the internet, that's like $120. So I'm saving like 60 or $70 a month off of what I was paying mm -hmm. because I, I, before I switched, I had all these streaming services. So if you assume that you were going to have the streaming services anyway, then, then having, then getting rid of cable, I still saved money. It, if I had my druthers, I might really, uh, if it was just me and I didn't, you know, have a uh, wife and kids who, who want like to watch like the 11 o'clock news, then, uh, I would, I would not have YouTube TV at all. Um, and, and that would be fine. And then I would have, you know, save that money. So, um, so anyway, what, we're, what we were talking about Spectrum. So I, I think this is, I don't see why people would be, I mean, I understand why they're upset, but on the other hand, uh, this seems to be commonplace with, uh, with cable and but with- But consumers always react. I, I've watched right. this many times. Consumers always I mean, react, but they always seem to go after the cable company who interestingly is actually trying to save on carriage fees, which will keep the cable price down theoretically. Right. But, that, I mean, but still a, in this case, they're going after Disney and threatening to cancel Disney plus. Uh, it's fascinating I mean, to be, to be fair. It's, it's a PR battle, right? So if the yes. cable company says, we really don't want to raise, this is look, we were talking about fees before, right? And the fee is a way of trying to disclaim responsibility for what you're charging. Right. Right. So, right, right, right. oh, we'd really like to charge you only $50, but we're charging you $80 because all these other things that we are forced to pay. Right. Right. Um, so the, um, imagine if you lived in, we lived in a country that had VAT tax, right? Like here in America, sales tax is not talk about disclosing a fee. Sales tax is not part of the price. Mm -hmm. Right. So you, you, to know how much you need to pay, you've got to figure out what your state and local sales tax is. But in, in England, what you see is what you pay because somewhere in, in there is, is the VAT, right? Um, but the company has to kind of absorb, absorb it, um, so to speak, or include it in the price. Right. So anyway, um, to make a long story short, the, I mean, yeah, so the, the cable company is going out there and saying, we don't want to have to charge you more, but we have to charge you more because these these mean um, companies want their carriage fees. To be fair, it really isn't a fair situation at all because the, the um, companies are really double dipping on the cable, on the customers and the cable providers, right? Like 
they want you like for example one of the channels is it's channel oh here we have a channel seven abc right abc is a broadcast channel so mm -hmm. if you had a an antenna you could get abc for free disney does not disney is perfectly happy to give abc away for free to viewers right but still more than but still wants to charge the cable companies and in effect cable subscribers mm -hmm. money to get it yeah but they the business model of you know abc is just make money through selling advertising so mm -hmm. they're 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 hurting in a way they're hurting themselves because they're yeah. gonna lose advertising revenue but i guess they figure hey we're only gonna have a short disruption because because spectrum can't like the cable company cannot get away with like not having abc right sure there i mean and, there's some channels maybe they could get away with not having but they can't get away with not having like abc sure so they could probably get away with not having uh baby tv which is one of the channels that's currently dark for a for a while um but what's interesting you bring up abc abc is wild because not all of them are gone yeah, you Chi said. Chicago, L.A., New York, San Fran, Raleigh, Durham, Houston, and Fresno are the only ones that are gone. Mine is perfectly functional. So I wonder if those are not um, affiliates. I wonder if those are directly owned by Disney. You know, one thing, though, that is really kind of... One thing that is really unfair... Um, one thing that is, is really unfair is you and people know this, right? Like Disney is one unit. So a, as a subscriber, maybe you only want ABC, you know, cause you, you, maybe you don't really care yeah. about having Disney junior, which right. is targeted toward little kids. Maybe or, you don't care the about ACC having, network. What's that? I don't even know what that is. Probably something football related because it's. Or maybe you don't want. Maybe you don't want ESPN. Sure. It's another right. Disney owns them too, right? Yeah. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't like sports. You know, like, but they're going to push all of those on you. Yep. Because, you, it's they're all part of the same cable package, and, and and Spectrum has to pay one price to get them all, mm -hmm. as opposed to just saying like, hey. You know what we're gonna we're not gonna carry the baby network or whatever because we uh -huh. don't think anybody cares so we'll charge us don't charge us for that one they right. bundle it to force everybody to pay for it yep. like he, here in new york for example if you have almost any cable package you get uh, you you get yes yankees entertainment network yankees okay. entertainment station or something station right is that what it is yeah Yankees Entertainment Station or whatever. So it's a channel that shows Yankee games that's owned by the Yankees. And there's also, they also show, I think, some other games when, in the offseason, like Nets or something. But Yankees Entertainment and Sports. Okay, so Yankees Entertainment and Sports. So as someone who's a Yankee fan, I, you know, when I had cable, I absolutely did watch it. But for anybody who doesn't, who's not a Yankee fan, 
they were accounting for something like at least three dollars of everybody's bill and right. you couldn't say no so so i think that's i mean that's terrible that's why people want to do cord cutting uh in the first place is because they don't like all of this bundling where they have to pay for things that they don't watch right um you know so uh, you know it's uh you know if you want to protest disney i mean protest disney because uh they're willing to withhold uh their services from from spectrum for not giving them the amount of money they want but they have they they think it's really wrong for uh writers and uh and actors to withhold their services for not getting the amount of money that they want from disney so um <laughs> right i mean they 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 seem to, to understand it when it's them that's withholding a service for uh for, for money so uh i mean if you you know protest them because uh secret wars is absolutely terrible but like i'm not <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. Abrams coming out sure swinging like, tonight. Yeah, but I'm not sure that this is like the worst. I mean, it, yes, they're all greedy, right? They're all every single one. Like sure. it, it's Disney, it's Fox, it's. Um, although now, I'm not sure Disney owns Fox, right? So, so is this included in that situation or not? So. So Disney owns uh, Disney owns 20th Century Fox. They don't own right. Fox. So they don't own the Fox network. Right, they um, own Fox News, but do they own They don't own Fox. They own any of the ty- they, they own, own Fox, they own FX? Yes. So the ESPN collection, uh the College Sports collection, Longhorn Network, FX, FX Movie Channel, FXX, Freeform, Nat Geo and its collection, the Disney branded things, and Baby TV. And then plus the weird collection of local affiliates. So FX, yes, but Fox, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Well, but yeah, so new, like. News okay. Corp. News Corp wanted to keep the Fox network. They had plans for it, and those plans have not materialized. Right. So, right, people pay. I mean, people are might be upset that they're paying for Fox to get their you know regular Fox programming, mm-hmm. but then they also get all of the. They also are paying for for news channels they may not watch, sure. like like Fox Business and Fox News. Sure. So. You know, yes, this is the essential problem with cable. If you're already still on cable, then you've signaled that you're okay with this type of hostage taking. Sure, sure. I mean, it, Fair the enough. system is not much. The system is not much better with streaming, but you do have some choices. Right. The system gets better with streaming when you when you decide that there's some things that you're willing to live without. The right. question is, what are you willing to live without? Yeah. Yeah, because at that point it becomes a little bit more a la carte. Now I have a an actual a la carte uh, cable subscription because I was going to cancel it, and they're like, "Hey, how about we give you this?" All right, uh, but it's unusual. 
And I, I think in my case, it was literally the retention thing. Um, but yeah, most people are getting hit for the whole collection of networks. Because I'll tell you, on that on that list I read, the only thing that's on my on my setup is FX. I don't want I don't want or care about any of the other ones on this list from top to bottom including the local ABC so, affiliate which isn't on the list but I don't even care about that. <laughs> I mean I could I could live without most of it, most yeah you know most of the stuff. So I mean yeah it's nice to watch Jeopardy once in a while but um but uh so yeah I mean look people I I get it that they're upset but i mean again just listing the fees doesn't solve the problem right right yeah it's an interesting pairing of topics cord cutting solves the problem like cord cutting solves the problem but you only if you but only if you cut it really deep only if you say i'm not going to do all these things otherwise what it is is you have to you have to have streaming now if you want I mean, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that the most of the better shows are now streaming only. Mm-hmm. So, like, you gotta go off of like it doesn't matter like anymore whether you like like the idea of being on cable or not. You gotta go to streaming if you mm-hmm. want a lot of the a lot of the shows that people really want to see. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's it's all very interesting. Um, it's been a surprising amount of time at this point um, that it's been down way longer than I was expecting. Um, I've, I've been following it. In fact, I pulled up the Spectrum streaming app while we were talking just to see if it was still going on because I hadn't opened it today. Um, and it is. A little note, the five slide uh, animation video is still running. Uh, on everything except ABC, so no telling how long it'll go on, but it has certainly been interesting to watch the reaction online this time. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always uh, appreciate our live viewers. If you didn't join live and would like to in the future, Sunday, Sunday nights normally at, uh, at 9pm Eastern you can go to f5live.tv slash join us chat with us in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics if you can't join us live that's okay plugkidslive.com slash subscribe there you'll see all of our shows uh, and all the ways that you can watch listen and follow along um, we've all got a lot of stuff coming Abram's got an interesting article coming uh We've been doing a bunch of new stuff around here. We've got an updated studio coming soon. Um, all kinds of interesting stuff going on. Um, and and new graphics. We haven't talked about it publicly yet, but shh, some new graphics coming. Uh, we've been working on it for a while. Anyway, uh, all of that will come probably together. Uh, so lots of stuff coming. Keep an eye on it. And uh, I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. Neighbor. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.